If a housekeeper believes they're part of the clinical family, they're going to interact differently. If you go into a facility and you make those guys feel like they're just a janitor or a housekeeper and they just just there to clean up, then they're going to look at a difference. Kimberly and a lot of the nurses at UC Health do a great job making our housekeepers feel like they're part of the UC Health family. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Let's Talk Solutions, Candid Conversations with Healthcare Leaders. I'm Amy Fritzer. And I'm John Amos. And this week on the podcast, we're discussing uh, the importance of the relationship between EBS and nursing, how to build um, a healthy collaborative uh, working relationship between those two departments, and just how important it is to to have communication, to build healthy relationships, and how that can make all the difference when it comes to, to doing the important work of really saving lives. Well, today we're joined by two very special guests, and we're so excited for them to be here. Uh, Willie Nash, who's director of EBS at UC Health Memorial Hospital in Colorado, and then uh, Kimberly Weber, who is clinical manager of the surgical trauma unit there at UC Health. And she oversees a pretty large team with over 54 nurses and CNAs. So welcome again, uh, Willie and Kimberly, and thank you guys for joining us. And let's go ahead and get started. Kimberly and Willie, thanks so much for joining us today. We're super excited to have you here and have uh, have a candid conversation with you guys. Um, wanted to start with just hearing about um, each of you guys' background and kind of how you got into healthcare. And Kimberly, I'd love to start with you um, just on your nursing experience and how you got to where you are today. You're going to start with me? Yeah. Willie's more interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I doubt it. <laughs> yeah, I have actually worked for Memorial Hospital since 2005. Um, and prior to us being um, with UC Health, affiliated with UC Health, we were the um, local community hospital. So I actually um, started here as a CNA. My previous um, life experience, I guess, um, as job-wise, I was a social worker and worked with uh, people with special needs. So I did that for quite a while and then decided to go back to nursing school since it was my um, real passion. Um, I started working as a nurse, as a, a new brand new grad nurse here, both um, at Memorial and then here on my surgical trauma floor. So I've actually been on this unit for a long time. Um, I uh, came here, um, Memorial, and it was very intentional. I had the opportunity to um, accept a scholarship for either hospital. And I chose intentionally to work for a memorial primarily because um, we do serve um, a broader population. Um, and I have been the clinical manager here on surgical trauma since 2015. So I am actually the um, longest running clinical manager that this unit has ever had in recent history. So um, I don't know what that makes me more of a glutton for punishment or if it uh, says something about me, my character, but I guess it depends on the day. Yeah, no, it's great. <laughs> well, and Willie, and Willie, your, your background and perspective is pretty interesting. I mean, before you, before you became a, an EVS director, you were a longtime tour manager for a popular hip hop artist. And, you know, you hit the road a lot during the year you were traveling and, living that exciting life and, you know, managing day-to-day -day operations and a tour and all that fun stuff. And um, so what made you kind of move into healthcare? Well, like you said, my family would say that I took the long route to healthcare, right? Um, I, I come from three generation of nurses. Um, I've been in healthcare with those guys my whole life, right? You know, I remember on days, the hospital was my daycare some evenings, um, but I, I never wanted to be here. Um, so I, I went to school, went to undergrad, major in international business, and I came out and I started working for Universal Motown and loved it. I thought that, you know, I was going to be on the road forever. I started to, um, 2021, uh, I mean, 2001, right? Um, 21 year old, bushy tail, making six figures, thought that it was the life, right? Um, 2009, something like Napster came and all these burning of CDs and all this stuff. And so I went from top 3% in the company, um, working for David Banner, his tour manager, to just being upside down and almost having to take a half pay cut in order to stay there. You know, so um thought about grad school, 
My mother is deceased and she was a 20 year nurse and I promised her that I was going to get a master's degree. Right. So after nine years being in um, entertainment, I was accepted to Oral Roberts, graduated top three of my class um, and still didn't know what I wanted to do. Right. So I went back to Jackson, Mississippi, because you never know what you know, you don't know. I never thought about the health disparities in Jackson. Right. So I went back and worked on side a nonprofit um, Mississippi Road Mental Health Equity. Did great work there. Um, Executive Director Bonita Burke was just amazing. Um, we was working with reversing childhood obesity. Um, actually was there. To, I was nominated for the Jefferson Award by the White House. Um, great times. Loved it. Thought I had found my new career. And then the Catalog Foundation said that, hey, we're not going to fund you guys any longer. Um, and so my grandmother at that time was just like, see, we told you healthcare is the way, right? <laughs> and so she was like, um, the hospital she worked in for 30 years, she was like, can I call and get you an interview? And of course I said, yes, at that time, you know, after coming out of entertainment and being devastated because you don't have that job anymore. And then the nonprofit sector wasn't the way for me. I went in and I started in patient access, became the manager there, came into a fellow position. And my father came home one day and I never forget, he gave me the worst news of my life and told me he had lung cancer um, and he had two years to live. Um, and so he was a veteran. We was going to celebrate those two years. Um, but he went to a facility um, and he acquired C. diff. And at that time, I didn't know what an HAI was. I didn't know what C. diff was. I, you know, I didn't know anything about that part of it. You don't know what you don't know. And instead of us having him for two years, I lost him in um, October 21st of 2009, um, a year and a half early. It was at that time, I think I went into maybe the two, three month depression. You know, I, I just really couldn't think. Um, because at that point I was in a fellow position and I was thinking about administration work, but it was a gap that was being missed in the cleaning process, right? It was a gap that was being missed among hospitals. And I just wanted to find that gap. And so one of my friends worked for HHS. Um, they gave me Tommy Gray's phone number. Um, I gave him a call. Um, he asked me to meet him at Applebee's, um, he offered me $50,000 less than what I was making. And seven years later, here I am. What a neat story. Wow. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that, Willie. Yeah. Your passion, Willie. It's so obvious. And I know there was a recent story on you, um, actually, in our company website. And I just love this quote. I just love to read it, if that's okay with you. But it, you said, for me, healthcare and the music industry are relatively the same. Music is supposed to be soulful and an outlet for people to feel better. We try to do the same thing with housekeeping in our facility. We want patients to feel better and feel cared for. And it sounds like that was kind of, you know, after your father's passing and all that, that it was kind of like a, a calling for you almost. And not only a calling, it's a passion. And um, it's a, I believe everything happens for a reason. And I, I truly believe this is my calling. Um, and and, I, and that statement is exactly how I feel. Music was my first calling. I mean, I loved it. I still love it. I'm still in contact with a lot of the guys that's in the industry. Um, and I noticed how when we was on the road, we would have college kids and different people come up and tell different artists how, hey, this song changed my life. Hey, you got me through college. Um, so when I came to healthcare. It was it was kind of the same thing. I wanted to make sure that we never put any one family member in a bed that I wouldn't put mine in. You know, I know what's the dire impact of us having high SIR rates, you know, not having the proper HAIs. You know, um, I understand how dynamic that can be to a family to lose a family member to something of that dynamic, right? And so every day when I come into work, my overall goal is to think, how can I lead the facility better than I than it was when I got here? You know, who can I impact today? You know, um, I have this motto that I that I tell all of my assistant directors, um, and I ask them to let me know at the end of the day, are we takers or givers today? You know, not that neither one is wrong, but are we? I just want to know what did we take or what did we give back? You know, like if we were if, if we're rounding on a patient and it's their birthday 
and they don't have family members? Are we taking flowers? Are we delivering balloons? Um, are, are we asking Miss Kimberly, can we bring them their favorite meal? Right. Are, are we taking something from them? Are we, are we listening to their stories and we incorporating it in our life? You know, and so like we have this model where my my season directors, they will walk by and say, hey, Willie, I was a taker today. And so the question just to be like, what did you take? And they may be in 65, 25. Um, I took that I need to be a better father. Right. I need to listen to my kids a little more. Um, one of my directors may say, well, I was a giver today. What did you give? Um, I gave 25 minutes of my time when you tell me I should only give 10. You know, I actually sat down and listened to a patient concern. You know, so every day is vital. Um, it's just like music. Um, at the end of the day, we can make people better people for just interacting, just being caring, just having two things, empathy and sympathy. Oh, that's, that's awesome. And I think that, um, you know, to, to do that well in a hospital, you obviously have, have to do that in partnership with nursing, right? Which is kind of the topic and the theme of this conversation is, um, how do you collaborate with nursing, you know, to have that kind of, um, care for patients and to make a hospital run well, not just clinically, but just, you know, supporting patients through and through. So I kind of want to just start off the, the conversation in that regard, uh, just asking, you know, why, why is that relationship between nursing and EVS so important? Well, I mean, I think um, for me, that relationship is absolutely fundamental in a couple of different Spectrums. I mean, when Willie's talking a little bit about, um, you know, the hospital acquired infections and what exactly that means for some of our patients, it's definitely a challenge because when patients are here in the hospital, they're not um, they're not expecting to get sicker um, from something that that uh, was basically unplanned. Um, and it's it's heart wrenching to hear um, Willie's story about his dad and and why that was the ultimate um, you know form of his demise was a hospital acquired infection and and that's um, certainly something that as a nurse never ever do we want to have happen. Um, I know for myself, um, you know I'm a huge people person. I am not much in I am not super data driven and I'm very different from um, a lot of my colleagues in that I um, I pay attention to the data of course because I have to but at the same time I'm I'm a very much a people person and that um, definitely inspired my relationship with Willie until we started doing this process of preparing for this podcast I had absolutely no idea what his background was. I just knew that he was a very um, easygoing guy, super nice, super easy to get to know, super snappy dresser. So <laughs> COVID hit, we all we all looked a lot prettier than we do now. But um, it certainly um, it drew me to him in that I knew that he was a people person as well. And so um, you know, we just started off kind of giving each other a hard time. But I also previously to having HHS come in, um, had gone to battle for our um, our housekeeper on our unit. Um, her name is Lorna, and she's probably the biggest integral part of, one, of our unit right now um, as far as housekeeping is concerned because she is part of our family. Um, we had the previous um, company to, prior to IHHS was actually looking to move her um, over to another um, facility or another um, part of our facility. And um, initially I protested and then mm -hmm. they relented and we got to keep her. And then another year later, they came back and said, oh, we need to take her again. And I'm just like, yeah, so I already told you no. Um, and they gave me some big, long sob story about this other unit that really needed help. And so, you know, me being the, the beating heart, I'm like, oh, all right, we can sacrifice to help someone else. Well, when the word came out that she was going to be transferred over to another unit, my staff actually wrote a letter um, protesting uh, her being moved. Um, and I think for Lorna, that seemed to make a huge impression on her because she knew that 
while she's part of housekeeping and she's, you know, a contracted person and she's not a nurse and, you know, she, but she is so good at what she does. And I think for her, it helped her to understand and know how very important she was to us. Um, we definitely treat her as a member of our family. Um, when she travels home to Jamaica, she brought, she brought stuff back from all of my staff members. It's just like, you know, when mama goes on a trip, mama brings home something. And, and Lorna, we threw a big 60th birthday party for her because um, she's part of our family and we adore her. Um, and we give her a lot of grief um, because she takes days off, which is not really okay. <laughs> well, actually, I said to her last night when she said she came in to say goodbye and I said, I'll see you tomorrow. And she said, no, I had the day off tomorrow. And I said, I did not approve that. <laughs> she said, well, I'll be back on Friday. And I said, huh, <laughs> I already know that she's off. I've had two of my staff members come in and say, is Lorna here today? So we are all very aware when she's here. And I think that piece of it is because I know she does right by our patients. I know there've been multiple times where she's come in to me and said, I need you to talk to your staff about such and such. And immediately I'm on it. And my staff are like, oh, okay, we'll do anything for Lorna. And to us, that that person connection is is huge. And I know that our patients notice it as well. So I hope that answers your question a little bit. I yeah, she's just, she's definitely the best thing ever. And Willie, Willie and I have a good relationship mostly because we both speak fluent sarcasm. So I can totally give him <laughs> as much as he dishes out. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so on that note, obviously we under, we each understand how, you know, the nursing department and nurses are tremendously important. And then obviously the housekeeping staff is so important and but why is it so important for them to work in tandem? I mean, obviously to to help the patient heal. But what other things do they do behind the scenes that helps a facility run and you know brings that value to the patient? Well, first of all, Willie's uh, Willie will do just about anything if I ask him to. He told me that he um, was going on vacation. I think this summer he was gone for like he went to the Northwest for a couple of weeks, and I said, well, what am I? Who am I supposed to call? Um, and, uh, you know, it is just, it's so integral for us to be able to know who we can count on. And, um, you know, a couple of months ago, we did this bed exchange program and, um, Willie was up here with his staff members and, um, you know, he, we kept trying, nursing kept trying to kind of clean the dirty beds and, and swap over the new mattresses. And he, we were doing it wrong. Oh my gosh. We kept doing it wrong. And he was like, you need to stay in your lane, like get over there, stay in your lane, do what you're supposed to do, but you can put the mattress on the bed, but please don't do any more other things. <laughs> I mean, he's right. We are totally doing it wrong. So I think for us, that's, you know, the behind the scenes stuff is by far the most important. I can call him any time of the day and he will either be up here himself or he'll send somebody up here to, to help us um, clean things up and get make things right for our unit to function better. What about from your perspective, Willie? Um, I, th I think Kimberly is 100% correct, right? I, I, from an administrator standpoint, it, it, from, from a CEO standpoint or a CEO standpoint, it's the KPIs. Like it, it's turnaround time. Um, if we don't work together, we can't get patients in and out of the hospital. Um, we all know that we're in a pandemic and our census here in Colorado Springs are, is oof, overwhelming. And so if we don't have that one-on-one -on -one relationship, uh, hypothetically, you may be in a hospital where nursing might be responsible for contractually scripting rooms, right? If we don't have that relationship to where we're fully staffed to where we can help those guys, it can bag up that next patient that needs to come in. Right. And so that's very important to us. Um, just wait time. I think, you know, when we came in this morning, maybe we had 20 people waiting in our ED. Um, that lets me know as soon as I get that call, that I need to be on the floor, just like Kimberly said, rounding, seeing where my people are, anticipating discharges and building those relationships so that nurses like Kimberly feel comfortable with calling me, uh, feel comfortable with leading that charge. Um, we are so connected hip to hip. Honestly, I can't do my job without having a Kimberly on board. 
And she can't do her job without me. And I feel comfortable saying that because of our relationship. You know, I think the dynamic of having two departments that lean on each other for so many reasons, whether that's leaning, whether that's room turnover, whether that's no more than, Willie, I need an extra landing picked up that we're not scheduled to do. Or, hey, Willie, I'm short of tech today. Can you guys script the rooms? Just having that open line of communication makes everything flow so much better. Just tell her no. <laughs> you tried. Good luck with that. She, she doesn't even know what that he word never means. Never even dare try. Uh, Poor guy. Yeah. Yeah, Willie. Did you? Weren't you telling us that we were? We were initially uh, kind of talking about doing this this uh, conversation together, and you had mentioned how you call Kimberly Mama Bear. She's programming my phone with that. <laughs> like my, my my kids and my family know about her. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just that dynamic, you know, like it, it's rare that you are able to feed off of people and you're there for the right reason. Right. My passion brought me to healthcare. You know, I just be honest. This is not where I wanted to be. You know, life led me here. So to find people that's just engaged that I am and we're here for the same reason, it makes it easy for me to do what I do. Um, and on top of that, she keeps me in line. You know, I'm easily can run astray, right? I'm easily can do my own thing. She makes sure that I does it. So I appreciate that. Well, I mean, the first time he appeared in front of my door, um, I'd had, you know, I had just been fighting with uh, the previous company and he appeared in my doorway and I'm like, no, he didn't even <laughs> ask me anything. And I said, well, somebody introduced him. This is Willie and he's the new, um, you know, clinical manager of, of, of EVS or whatever your fancy title is. Oh um, and I don't care. You're just Willie. I can't even remember what you are on my phone. I think you're Willie, Willie snappy dresser, I think is what it says. But anyway, <laughs> he, uh, yeah, he appears in my doorway. Hi, this is Willie. La, 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 la. And I just looked at him. I said, no, you don't get to take Lorna. I don't care what you say. And it's not happening. And don't, uh, devil dog dare you to fight me. <laughs> <laughs> That's so, awesome. yeah, we uh, we get along really well, which which makes a huge difference, I think. Wait, so what was Willie's side of that story? Uh, well, for, for me, you know, like I'm always the guy. She throws a dish, I throw it back. Right. So initially when she says, no, you can't have her. My next comment is I'm definitely having to move her. You know, that's <laughs> like this is this is what we're doing. We have to move her. We need her. But to be honest, guys, I would have never moved her. Like I am a big believer that perception drives performance, meaning the way you think about something affects the way you do something. Right. So in, in, in healthcare, if a housekeeper believes they're part of the clinical family, if they believe that they have buy in, if they believe that they're one of the nurses, if they believe that that floor, they're part of that floor, they're going to interact differently. If you go into a facility and you make those guys feel like they're just a janitor or a housekeeper and they just just there to clean up, then they're going to look at a difference. Kimberly and a lot of the nurses at UC Health do a great job making our housekeepers feel like they're part of the UC Health family. Right. So I would dare never move a housekeeper from one of their floors because that's the dynamic that we want. We want Miss Lorna to be able to come in and be able to tell Kimberly, hey, Tech A forgot to do this today. Can we talk to them? And she has to feel comfortable in, in doing that, as well as she has to feel comfortable enough that Kimberly has her best interests in hand so she can take constructive criticism the right way. So whereas I gave her a hard time and told her on numerous occasions I was going to take her, I would never do that. And she knows. Well, and my response to him was fine. You can go ahead and take Lorna, but I get Margaret. See, see, and, and, <laughs> and Miss Margaret uh, is another great one that <laughs> I get kicked out of the hospital if I moved her as well. So, yeah. <laughs> oh man, that's awesome. That's awesome. So, um, shifting gears a little bit, I kind of want to hear from, uh, both you guys on, just the dynamics, um, obviously between EVS and nursing, but um, how much administrators are aware of that and how much, um, you know, they get involved in managing that or they, do they not get involved? Um, are they, do they have a good pulse on how the relationship is going? Um, do you look to them for guidance or how is that dynamic between the administrator level and then you guys and what you're doing day to day? Well, well, for me, it's pretty easy. You know, here here at UC Health, we have a great administrative team and they really get it. Um, I have been in hospitals that 
didn't really get the dynamic of why we need to play good in the sandbox together. Right. Um, and my first question is, once I go into account is I love to meet with that with that leader because it's a top down approach, it's not a bottom up approach. Right. Um, they have to lead the way they have to lead the surge. So with me knowing my value in within my first 10 days within a facility, I want to meet with whoever the COO is, whoever my direct report. And I want to hear some of the complaints that they might have in between nursing and they might have in between EVS. Right. And majority of 99 percent of the time is culture is that the EVS team doesn't feel like they are part of whatever organization they're in. So I always ask them a challenging question and it makes them having to go back and think sometime. I say, can we promise each other something? And naturally they say, yes, well, what is it? Or depending on what the promise is. I say, can we never complain about something that we're not willing to change? Right. And, and, and so it usually be like, OK, well, what are we complaining about? Well, we're complaining about the culture because we're complaining about EVS not showing up and doing the things that nursing needs to do. And nursing is saying is EVS is not doing there. Maybe it's a possibility. It's a communication barrier. Maybe housekeeper A doesn't know what nurse needs, nurse, nurse A needs. Because one thing I do believe, I believe everyone is in healthcare for a reason. I think we all understand the dynamic. I think we all understand patients need to be taken care of. And we all understand why we do what we do. A lot of times it's that culture shift that housekeepers just want to feel like they belong. And so a lot of the times once I tell those COOs that are my direct report that most of this time they try to make that culture shift. And 99% of the time, once we make that shift, it naturally works. So that's your number one uh, piece of advice for for them, Willie, is basically look, take a closer look at the culture, maybe look how they integrate the relationship more, basically. Absolutely. I can guarantee you if you're running a facility and you're having problems in between your housekeeping department, not just one housekeeper, the department and your nursing department is a culture shift. You know, and I think, um, you know, to kind of tag that on, I'm, you know, I'm not really familiar with a lot of the upper echelon of, of housekeeping, which is, is really okay because that's not my, that's not my specialty. You know, I, I know the nursing and the clinical side of, of what it's like to run a hospital. And one of the things that I've, I mean, I've worked here for 15 years. So one of the things that I've experienced a great deal of is different leadership and, and how each facility is is run in a probably in a very different way. And I had unfortunately the ba- a bad experience um, previously when I first went stepped into leadership of having um, very much being part of a dictatorship and very much being part of a facility that was run from the top down and you basically stood in line and um, you know and handle things the way that you were told you needed to handle them. The, the way the shift in the culture has changed in the last couple of years has been absolutely incredible. And I think Willie is part of that, but also feeling the benefits of that change for us personally in this hospital in that we finally have some really stable leadership. Um, we are not owned by the county anymore, which is or by the city anymore, which is a big a, a big boon for us. But also um, our CNO, our chief nursing officer, is a homegrown Memorial nurse. So she has worked here in the trenches here at Memorial for a very long time. Um, our COO is super, super approachable. And several years ago, they came up with the idea that each um, senior leader needs to adopt a unit, basically. And Merle, who is actually the COO, is, I believe, Willie's direct report, um, is the actual senior leader that has adopted, that is my unit's um, sponsor, I guess is the best way of looking at it. And Merle, I have his um, cell phone number. I forget sometimes and I, and I, it's not, I don't like, I'm not reminded of it regularly that he's the COO. He's just Merle. And so if I need something, I will text Merle. And I'll just, you know, and I'm middle management. I'm not super fancy. I don't have a master's degree. I am a bachelor's trained nurse and I have no desire to be a director. I don't want to be a CNO when I grow up. I love working with my team and I absolutely love the job that I have. 
some days it's not all that great, but I do love the job. <laughs> and um, I, to, to have the opportunity to be able to just shoot a text to my COO and say, hey, um, we're really struggling with X, Y, and Z, and to have him respond to me and say, okay, let me see what I can do to fix that. Um, that culture, you, that culture cannot be bought. And so I think that Willie benefits from that as well, because it's definitely our culture here at Memorial. That is how we approach things. And it's pervasive throughout all of, of our um, administrative areas, which is, which is a big, that's a big chunk of progress. I, I feel like. Yeah. So, um, it seems like and both of you have mentioned communication being a big, big part of that. And I'm curious what, what you guys have in place, uh, formally and informally. Um, I know you're talking about texting and stuff, but what you guys have in place to kind of enhance that, that communication. And is that something that has evolved over time? Um, I'm just kind of curious what you guys do to, um, establish that flow of communication between yourselves. Well, I mean, I think for, Willie and I, of course, are very casual. I don't, you know, I'm not going to, so I don't, rarely do I ever send him an email. I'll just either call him or text him and just say, yo, come here, please. I need you for something. <laughs> but, you know, and then he'll show up when he, when he darn well feels like, no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> 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 A couple of weeks ago, he was in his scrubs and I hardly even recognized him. I've gotten used to it now, but I'm like, what you doing? You're, you're down here with the scrub people. You're wearing your jammies to work just like all the rest of us. Um, anyway, um, we actually, our, um, our facility actually developed a um, operations meeting that we have on a daily basis which I think in the beginning was quite a nightmare for our IT department and probably Willie um, because it's kind of it. what in the beginning was kind of like the airing of grievances. You know, we spent an awful lot of time in a 15 minute meeting kvetching about how this thing didn't go right and this thing didn't go right. And sometimes Willie would get the brunt of that. But um, and it, I believe that it was actually developed by our COO. And so every morning at 845, we have an operations meeting with um, the meet leaders of the hospital. And we go on and talk about some of the issues that have come up in the last day, um, which can cover all kinds of different things. And I think that that process has really helped kind of hone in on where our actual issues are. Um, and like if I if it took two hours for me to get a bed um, up here from um, housekeeping, then Willie and I are able to communicate. We talk about it on this meeting because nine times out of 10, if I'm struggling, if my unit is struggling, then it it's probably happening other places as well. And we kind of hone in on those processes and really look to see what we can do to process improve and fix the process so that we're not just fixing a one isolated pro problem all the time, which is really good. We had an issue a couple of, and Willie, you may not even remember this, a couple of, I think it's probably been about a year or so. It was, well, it was before COVID, so it feels like it was about five years ago. But um, that being said, we had a patient that fell and she was actually accidentally placed on a trial bed that none of our staff were um, even familiar with or knew how to utilize or anything. And so, of course, she um, unfortunately sustained a, an injury on her fall. And um, we, Willie and I had to do quite a bit of digging so that we could actually figure out where this bed even came from, because it was something that we had never, ever seen before. Housekeeping had never seen it. I'd never seen it. My staff had never seen one of these beds, and it was brought up here in the middle of the night. So I think those communication um, things are just super important because we don't want, you know, if, if it's one, if it's an isolated issue, great, but most of the time it isn't. It's a pervasive um, process problem. And that's what this morning meeting really is, is to kind of narrow down exactly where we're falling apart in the processes and what can we do to make things smoother? Plus, it does help develop those relationships. We can match names with faces, and I know exactly who to come to um, if I if I'm struggling with a particular issue. So oh, that's great. Yeah, it sounds like I mean, you guys have an amazing relationship, but totally illustrate the value of that. And and Willie, you had mentioned 
you know, kind of backing up a little bit here that you had, you know, worked at other facilities where the relationship wasn't as great or the culture wasn't there. So how would you begin? And I understand, you know, nine out of 10 times you say, okay, well, the culture needs to change or, you know, we do look at this differently, but how would you go about doing that as a director, an EVS director? I mean, obviously there's so many departments that you, you know, you infiltrate with, so to speak. So how, how would you go about that? So the first thing that I have learned to do is build relationships, right? Everything I do is based off relationships. It has to be a trust factor there in some way. So initially when I come into the facility, I like to break that facility down into many hospitals, meaning I want to give every last one of my ADs as well as myself a certain part of the hospital. And then I like to create what we call a collaborative round um, matrix, and within that matrix, we're going to round on, I'm going to take all the directors. I want all the Kimberly's. I want all the, dry, the the dynamics. I want all the character. I want all of all of the people who's going to say, I'm not working with them. They just, you know, I want all the tough customers, right? Outside of having all those guys, I want to round on those guys once a week just to show them our dynamic. What we do is HHS. We're a new company. We're nothing like whoever else may have been here or whatever they went through before, um, whether that was the previous director or the previous company. And we want to build those relationships and those trust factors day in and day out. So every week, Kimberly is going to see Willie. Every every week, I'm going to get on her nerves. Every week, I'm going to ask, <laughs> every week I'm going to ask her texts. You know, how, how are we doing? Um, we create we create surveys that we send out to those guys just to ask, how are we doing this week? Can we do anything different? What do we need to learn? Like and in between there, you will find that, hey, it may be some communication issues. It may be some barrier issues. Maybe they really don't understand what we do. Um, and, and we build on it as well as rounding on patients. We want to go in and we want to talk up the nursing on the staff. We want to let them know how great of a nurse they have. But in order to do that, we have to learn who Kimberly really is. You know, we have to understand where she come from. We have to understand her background. For So for me coming in, even if it's a culture issue, it's just inserting myself inside of their culture to let them know whether they want me or not, they're stuck with me. Right. And we're going to make this a better environment for not only for us to work in, but for the patients that's come here to serve. Are you saying I'm part of your matrix? Yeah, you. I didn't know I was part of a matrix. You're definitely part of my matrix, dude. <laughs> Number one, you. I was fancy. I didn't know I was Keanu Reeves fancy. You are there. <laughs> you are there. And and and, and so now, what you, what you see now is the dynamic between me and Kimberly. Two years down the line, she don't even need to be part of the matrix. I can just spoof up to her office. Like I don't. <laughs> I don't even have to have an appointment. I can just. No. I can just roll in. And and, and that's if you had what, an appointment, I think I was in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And, and, and so that's what you want. You know, I can even call her, you know, Kimberly, and she hates being called that. And she doesn't get mad. No, I hate being called Kim. You See, got yes. even got it wrong. Yeah, well, you know what I'm talking about. And so <laughs> we have that dynamic. And I pride myself on my team as well as myself having that dynamic in every hospital we go into. Uh, sometimes you have to work a little harder. You know, sometimes you have to start at the bottom. Sometimes that culture is already there. Like UC Health already had that culture when we came in. We just had to insert ourselves. But if we had to start from the beginning, it would start on just those rounding, getting to know those nurses, let no nurses get to know us, let them know our platform. And hey, we are all here for the same reason. Being visible, almost too visible. Yeah, too visible. Like, yeah, get out annoying. Of my Being annoying is <laughs> yeah. what you meant. Like, I don't want to see you anymore. Like, leave me alone. Yeah, go away because every time you come up here, I think you're going to take my Lorna. <laughs> <laughs> so you you have this this relationship that you guys have built built up, and it's um, it's obviously incredible. And then you put it in the context of obviously the last eighteen months with COVID, and I'm curious how. Um, you know, that has changed or improved the dynamic and the relationship between, you know, nursing and EVS, but specifically in ways that you're going about ensuring safety. I'm just curious how the the, the context of being in the pandemic has impacted uh, the relationship you guys have. Well, you know, for us, um, you know, I am because I'm a surgical unit, we have and I only word I can think of is, is that we're blessed a little bit in that we haven't had the inundation of COVID patients that a lot of the other um, units have had, primarily because our patients are what we would consider clean patients. 
because um, they're coming in um, hopefully not um, sick. However, the last, gosh, the last six weeks, things have really shifted and a lot of things have changed here in, in our facility and in our community um, where we're really seeing um, some incredible spikes of, of COVID. And, um, you know, I think because like I told you before, I'm, I'm definitely a people person. One of the things that has, um, it's helped that we have this dynamic already established because to put a health system or to put a hospital or to put nursing staff or clinical staff or housekeeping staff under the incredible amount of pressure that we're all experiencing right now sometimes doesn't bring out the best in people um, and it doesn't bring out our patients are very very ill um, you know right at the moment we're not doing a whole lot of elective surgeries we're not doing a whole lot of um, optional things. And so our patients are coming in more critically ill than they ever have been. And so I think putting that incredible just amount of pressure on, on a facility and everything, um, you have to have those relationships that are already very well established in order for us to be successful. Because if I'm running at an elevated emotional level, like a lot of our um, facility is right now, um, and so is housekeeping, a lot of times we're not on our best behavior. And so we are, I think because we've got that decent relationship where we feel like we are already family, I guess is the way of looking at it. We, um, can treat each other with a, a, a much more amount of grace, I think. Um, and to realize that everybody has their bad days. And if, if I completely, you know, turn into my crazy redheaded self um, <laughs> with, with Willie one day, he knows me well enough to know that that's not who I really am. And then I know him well enough that I can go back and say, Hey, I totally overstepped. I didn't. I became a, a crazy woman, and I need you to forgive me. And let's <laughs> let's move on. Because if we didn't have that relationship before, um, it would be very challenging. I think um, it just it puts a it puts a huge amount of stress on on the facility completely. And and then it, you look at it from the infection piece of it. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that has to go on in the background in order to keep our patients from. Um, cross-contaminating or, or getting um, a hospital-inquired infection from COVID as well. You know, I, I agree 100%. Um, from, from our perspective, uh, when COVID first hit, it, it's, two, it's three things that we understood. You know, we knew it was a storm, and we, we understood that most storms was, was going to change you, right? But we also knew that all storms has an expiration date. So we just needed to make it through that storm, right? So we just had to figure out how to navigate a little bit better. And I think, like Kimberly said, whenever you have those wonderful relationships, whenever you understand those dynamics, it's easier for you to attach yourself to it. Um, i never forget the first day we received a call. Um, you know, in January, February, we was hearing about COVID and I was pessimistic. I like we'll never get a case here. You know, it was for me, it was kind of like Ebola, you know, so I never thought that it would happen to us. We received a call one Saturday. I was off and Miss Martha received on her floor and she called and she was like, what are we going to do? You know how like I'm not fearful of this. It's an isolation room. But what are we going to do? And initially, my first thought process, because my wife was looking at me and the dog was looking at me like, are you really going? <laughs> and it, and and I, and I had to say absolutely, because not only did Miss Margaret call me, the nurses called me from the floor, and they wanted to, they just wanted insurance that we was there and prepared to do the right thing. So I showed up, me and Miss Margaret both PPD together, and we fought that storm together. And when we both came out and we donned our PPE, it was nursing that was there. They clapped for us, you know, and it's those relationships. It's those things that's knowing that, hey, they really have our back. Hey, we're not just housekeepers or janitors to them. Hey, we're family. So it's easy to fight these COVID battles, these, 
these pandemics when you have a family around you that you guys all feel the same about each other? I I absolutely agree. I don't necessarily, um, you know, it's, it's a sobering, this is a sobering experience. Um, one of our uh, directors said to us last week when we were all really struggling um, because we're, we're struggling because it's, it's the long haul. You know, we don't see the end of the storm. We don't see, um, we don't even know where the eye of the storm is at this point. And so um, we're struggling because we're all exhausted. Um, we are struggling because just like the rest of parts of the country, we're struggling with staffing. We're struggling with um, just keeping our head above water and having the right people working and doing what they can. And those of us that are super, super dedicated to working and taking care of our patients, it's um, it's creating a, a weary group of souls. However, I know that all of us and the thinning of the herd, I guess the best way to look at it when we've lost so many staff, and not to say that they were all um, not worth keeping, but um, those of us that are still here are the strong, the, the ones that are here for the right reasons. Um, you know, I, pride myself in knowing that I want to live my life and, and have my career be so that every single day I can look myself in the mirror when I get home and know that I did my best with whatever it is that I have to do. Um, we have learned very, very much to be flexible. Um, nursing is not typically a very flexible arena. We are very black and white. We are you have this disease, you treat it this way, you have this job that you have to do, you do this, 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 we're all very task oriented. And we have learned to really bend and flex and do some things that we have never, ever been comfortable with before. But like I was mentioning, one of our directors said the other day, this is the most difficult time that as leaders, you will ever lead your team through. And I take that very, very seriously. My staff um, and my people here at the hospital are my people. And um, I am proud to work um, for an organization that has done nothing but support us during this process and during um, when we are basically on our knees trying to take care of people and to save them. Um, and I'm very, very thankful to have all the people that are around us um, from our dietary staff to our housekeeping staff to our senior leadership. Every one of them have been um, doing their very, very best and doing their hardest work. And, and it's an honor um, for me to know that I am shoulder to shoulder with amazing people um, fighting a war that at this moment doesn't seem to ever have an end. That's a very uh, sobering explanation there, Kimberly. <laughs> no, that was great. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, it was great. Um, <clears throat> except for Willie, right? I mean, he's well, except yeah. for Willie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and even when he wears his scrubs, I, you know, I just put him to work. <laughs> <laughs> she does that without scrubs. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I think in in wrapping up, if um, if if we just had to take away kind of the highlights from the conversation, what would kind of the big takeaways be for you guys in terms of, you know, what are the most important aspects of the relationship between nursing and EVS? Um, what are the takeaways from this conversation that you want to leave kind of the listeners with? I think just keeping those lines of communication open, um, you know, always using humor. Um, we all in healthcare have a pretty sick sense of humor. So, um, I'm sure housekeeping does as well. And, um, you know, just keeping and, and treating each other with grace and kindness and just keeping that, that level of communication open and realizing how important all of us are in the wheel. It's, uh, you know, that, that adage of how it takes a village to raise your children. It, it definitely takes a village to take care of a patient and, um, to keep them safe. And we, we just, power through. And I think, um, also just developing those good relationships and keeping that, 
um, keeping that alive, regardless of whether it's, uh, you know, Kimberly and Willie or anybody else, you know, just keeping that relationship open and, and just talking. What about you, Willie? You know, I, I feel the same. You know, I would tell everyone, um, you know, this is healthcare, right? No matter what side of the village you are on, we save lives. You know, it's not about a us or a I. It's about the people we serve. And we have to know the way that we serve as people will lead them to be better every day. You know, so when we go in, we need to understand that, hey, we're doing something that's going to drastically impact somebody's life in one way or another. And I think as long as we know that, and we do what the golden rule is, what my mom used to tell me every day, just treat somebody the way you want to be treated. I think everything else will fix itself. Well, that's great. Well, um, I can't thank you guys enough for sharing, you know, all the stories you guys have shared and sharing just y'all's uh, uh, relationship with, with, with us. Um, it's great hearing you guys banter back and forth and all that. And uh, yeah, you guys had great insights and, um, no, just thank you so much. We for... did a good job keeping it kind of professional, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, that <laughs> was, did. That was the first know, time. Right? That was the weekend. I know. We, we clean up nice, Willie. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you guys, you kids, listen. <laughs> Absolutely, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, thanks so much, guys. You guys are great, and just loved hearing. Like John said, hearing you guys banter and kind of explain, and it's pretty clear the passion you both have for your respective roles and the importance you both feel for the, you know, the great relationship and how to just make the facility run better and care for the patients. I think it's great. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Have a great day. I thought it was so cool listening to Willie talk about how, you know, every day it's, did you take something? Or did you give something? You know, he wants all of yeah. his ADs to to answer that question every day and, you know, really bring a purpose to things. And I think that shows not only individually with them and in their respective roles, but also as a, as part of the team and creating that team and atmosphere and culture. Because so many times behind the scenes, people don't realize how integral the relationship is between EVS and nursing, for example. And because a lot of it is behind the scenes, but it's so vital for you know, each of those departments to run and then, of course, the facility to run and the patients to heal. And um, I think that really came through today from both of them. And I just loved it. I, I, I you know, Kimberly's just a hoot and funny. And yeah. you could tell that as stressful as things have been, they both kind of have a laid back approach at the same time. But that also helps alleviate the stress of the ongoing day to day. Right. So I just thought it was great. Yeah. Well, and it's like, you, you could totally tell that they did have kind of like a family type relationship, right? Where they're being sarcastic with each other, giving each other a hard time, but they always know that like, we've got each other's back no matter what. So no, it was great. Yeah. Um, they're almost like a brother, sister kind of relationship. It right, seems like. Right. No, <laughs> totally. Yeah. Well, thanks everybody for, for tuning in and listening. Um, be sure to follow us um, so you can uh, hear our next episode with another healthcare leader wherever you guys listen to your podcasts. And for more tips in healthcare, you can follow the HHS blog at hhs1.com. We'll see you guys next time.